Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. This one's always a crowd pleaser, I think. The hell do I know? It's our Friday show. It's our week in review podcast. All the best ads, drops, holds, I'm nervouses, watch list guys, injury replacement board, which is longer than the frickin' Dead Sea Scrolls, a couple of buy lows, a couple of sell highs, but not too many of those because we do have individual shows for that we run earlier in the week, and the Stream While Warm board, that's new for this week on the pod. Welcome, one and all. I always want to say welcome, foolish mortals. It's the first three words in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion ride. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Mansion. (laughs) You will hear the sound of screaming children in the background on today's show. There is zero question about that. Both of them are home. There's no camps. There's no nothing going on. And uh, they're playing, I think, hide-and-go-seek with my mother right now. So, you know, life. Also, representing today, i got to take a moment to represent my shirt. This is the Bakersfield Blaze 2012 California League First Half Champions t-shirt. That's right, baby. First Half Champs. Didn't get any better than that. We had some damn good players on that team, though. We had some damn good players on that team. Trying to think back. Billy Hamilton was on that team when he was setting the minor league stolen base record. Uh, Who else made the bigs off that roster? Tony Singrani was in the bigs for a while. I had to go back and dig it up. Our team was a juggernaut the first half. Hmm, who were those dudes? My memory's not that great anymore. It's 11 years ago. You guys got to cut me some slack. But look, we got a lot to talk about on today's show. Uh, we will... Yeah, I Last week, I wiped out the, the weekend look ahead because, honestly, it's a little bit redundant. And so what I probably do instead is I'll scan, I'll do my quick scan of the uh, YouTube live chat, see if anybody had any questions that I didn't cover during all of my week review stuff. And if that's in there, we'll do one or two of those. And if it's not, great, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Quick reminder, everybody, of course, you can find me on social media at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Single most important thing you could do while watching or listening to today's show is to subscribe to the podcast. A lot of people at uh, actually in the last like two days have been like, Dan, damn, I wish I would have found you sooner. I dropped Tyus Jones at the beginning of the year. How many times did we say on this pod, do not drop Tyus Jones? He was like number 110. And remember when we did that breakdown, there were 19 games, I think, into the season when we did the breakdown, and we realized that nine of their 19 games had been blowouts. So his minutes, Tyus was playing like 24 minutes a game, 24 and a half minutes a game over that stretch. Because most of the time, the games were just done after three quarters. Now all of a sudden, he's getting an extra six, seven minutes a game, close game, late fourth quarter, and he's number 57 now. And there's these things, and so anyway, subscriptions are great. Not just for yourself, for me. Yes, obviously, selfishly, I want that. But it also helps move the podcast up the board. Total Listens actually doesn't really typically do it unless it's like, you know, the shows that are doing millions of hits or whatever. Uh, So please do hit those buttons. Find me on social. Hang out in our Discord. That link is in the show description. Let's 
begin. I always struggle to figure out what size I want to make the the deal on YouTube. I'll leave it at this size for now. Uh, you know what? Let's go big. Let's make sure everybody can see what's going on here. So this is the Weekend Review thread. This is also uh, ported over onto Twitter. If you want to see the names, the show, I think, is really the place you want to be because we break it all down here and you actually get some uh, legitimate thoughts about the players. I just throw it into a Word document. <laughs> My kids are so loud right now. I just throw it into a Word document. Um, I know it's sort of low-tech, but whatever. It gives you guys a nice, clear way to see it on your screen. Let's start with the ads. I left Tari Eason on there for the third damn week in a row because I'm still getting questions of what to do. Uh, he He's an ad. Um, I know he missed the last ball game with a sore knee. I don't care. Last two weeks, he's number 70 in 26 minutes per ball game. Steals rate is through the roof, and, you know, maybe that and the rebounding, perhaps those come down a little bit. But everything in Houston is pointing to Eason getting minutes. He's closing some ball games. There was frustration in their last game with Alperin Shengun, so there's going to be more willingness to go small if Eason's healthy. I don't know that that's a thing that's going to happen nightly, but even if it happens like once every four or five games, that's still notable because it's just more minutes available for a guy that Ime Udoka really likes. I don't think this one needs a ton of explanation because, we're again, this is the third time he's been on this board. But please, Lord, stop asking about it. Just make sure he's on a roster. And then the other super obvious one this week is Isaiah Hartenstein, who on the last two shows, or last two Friday shows, was listed as an injury replacement player only. And technically, he is still that. Because if Mitchell Robinson was around, Hartenstein wouldn't be doing enough. But... There's this weird uh, disagreement right now in the Knicks front office where the Knicks applied for the disabled player exception or exemption, meaning that they could get some sort of funds back for a Mitchell Robinson's injury to use that wouldn't punish them against the salary cap, and then they could go sign another center besides Tosh Gibson if they wanted to. But then in an interview... Like 25 minutes ago, uh, Tom Thibodeau was saying that they still expect Hardenstein back in eight, or not Hardenstein, they expect Robinson back in eight to ten weeks, which puts us pretty damn late in the season. You're talking about after the All-Star break, you're talking about early to mid-March, but that's not the same as the entire season. For our purposes, the Hardenstein stuff, it's almost the same thing. He's got two to two and a half months minimum of starting center value but then the question right now is just, does he belong on my straight ads board or does he belong on a long-term injury replacement board? Ultimately, it doesn't matter. He needs to be on a roster. That's the only thing you need to take away from that this specific discussion. So don't get caught up in the semantics of it. People are always like, Dan, this dude belongs on this board. It's like, no, like, listen to the explanation. Please don't overread into the Twitter thread. Hardstein is going to be good. Jericho Sims is questionable. He's dinged up, so that's like even more opportunity for him. Marcus Smart is hoping to be back tomorrow, Saturday. We'll see if it happens. I would think that early next week would be the absolute latest that Marcus Smart would work his way back in here for Memphis. I don't know, actually, if he's going to be a 9-cat, 12-team guy. Technically, he kind of wasn't before he got hurt. You guys might recall that he was outside the top 100 
12 and a half points, five assists, two steals a game. Uh, the big turnovers was unsightly. And if you wiped those out, he jumps up about 30 or 40 slots. So then he does get inside the top 100. And basically what I'm hoping for here is that Smart still gets somewhere in the like 9, 10-ish shots per game. So the usage doesn't alter that much. He'll get some assists because he'll be playing alongside Ja and Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. And the turnovers will hopefully come down. The... <laughs> Screaming in the next room was absolutely hilarious right now. I'm sorry, guys. This is just the magic of winter break. You're going to have to bear with me on this one. So stash Marcus Marcus. He's very close to coming back. He was on this board last Friday as well. Uh, and there's no reason to shift him off of that now that he's super close to coming back. I honestly couldn't figure out what board to put Trace Jackson Davis on. He probably ultimately belongs in an injury replacement board because... Because I don't know what's going to happen with him when Brandon Pajemski comes back, if Draymond Green ever resurfaces at some point. He probably doesn't stick all the way through the season, but for now, I think you can call him an ad. If I'm in a Roto League, I'm not playing him in the next game, because I just have no idea what's going to happen. He could get 16 minutes, he could get 29. There's this massive gap. There's no guarantee of what he's going to get, Trace Jackson Davis, that is. Head-to-head, -head, you see what happens. Uh, Warriors now have a really good schedule over the next little bit. They play today, tomorrow, and Monday because they go on Christmas. They're in Denver for that game. So head-to-head, -head, you got a really nice spot here. Three games in the next four days. That should give you plenty of opportunity to kind of evaluate him. And then, look, if he plays well, because the Warriors have a beleaguered and also kind of bad Wizards team coming to town that just won in Portland last night, this will be a great opportunity because there may be blowout chances the next two not that the Warriors are good enough to expect bl to blow anyone out but if this game gets opened up early or midway through that's a time where you think where you figure he'd probably get to play a little bit more as well so again I think it probably uh you know makes more sense to call him an injury replacement but just for the sake of us talking about it on the podcast let's just put him here that'll simplify our lives couple of guys that uh, kind of jumped out at me lately are Aaron Neesmith, who we kind of knew that Rick Carlisle loves. He's now actually inside the top 100 on the season on the shoulders of a steal, 0.8 blocks, two threes, and 54% shooting from the field, and then obviously he just never turns the basketball over. But if you go recently, it's actually been even better than that. Neesmith over the last two weeks is number 53 in nine category leagues, yes, somewhat unsustainable, 2.4 combined defensive stats, three three-pointers and 54% shooting. Yeah, that's not going to stick. But he is dramatically under-rostered in fantasy leagues right now, and for good reason. For good reason. Because Rick Carlisle screws with all of these guys all the time. He's only 21% rostered. His big ball game yesterday jumped him up a ton. He was one of the big overnight ads. But in a lot of leagues, he's sitting out on the waiver wire. And he's actually been good enough to use basically for the year now. If you had just played him for every ball game, he'd actually be a nine-category, 12-team dude. I don't know if that's something that sticks all the way through the year because as we've seen with the Pacers, things numbers bounce around, guys get healthy, guys get hurt, all that good stuff. But right now, he's one of the guys they trust. He's kind of been outplaying Bruce Brown, 
who makes an appearance later on the list, so stick with us here. And I think for Neesmith, you pick him up right now with the hope that he actually could be a rest-of-season guy. And in kind of a similar vein, Torian Prince also kind of falls into that could-be-a-rest-of-season guy. Last two weeks, he's number 80. His three-point percent has come around after a very slow start to the year in that department. Where Neesmith has the edge over Prince is that he can more reliably do other stuff. And Torian's never going to be a guy who sort of forces his way into extra shots. So rest of season, probably not. I mean, his bigger ball games have come while Gabe Vincent was out, LeBron James was out, things of that nature. But they're shoehorning him into minutes even when the team is healthy right now. They just seem to like the way he fits. And one of these, one of the very few Lakers that can actually hit a damn three-pointer. Seems like nobody else on the team can do it. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. If you look at the stuff going on with Prince lately, the thing that jumps out is even when the team has been mostly healthy, he's still playing 32, 33, 35, 38 minutes in these games. Yeah, they're losses. But four, two, three, four, and four is the three pointers over that stretch. He also had a couple of five three pointer games. He's just knocking down outside shots. He's sort of on the court long enough to average about a steal per ball game over that stretch. And the same thing, he's just on the court long enough to get four rebounds and three assists because he's going to pass the ball to Anthony Davis or LeBron every once in a while, and something's going to happen after he does that. I don't know that this is a thing that sticks all year. It has a little bit of a, like, kind of the KCP gets hot for a while. And then, well, when KCP rolls hot, he rolls top 50 for a couple of weeks. Then he gets cold, and he's more like 150. For Prince, hot is going to be like 75, and cold is going to be like 180. So ultimately, it probably doesn't stay above the cut line. But for the moment, and maybe he belongs in that new, like, stream while warm category that I'll be sh- revealing, unveiling to you all here. Uh, a little bit later on in the program. For Prince, a lot, a lot of it's going to fluctuate based on if he's making his threes and getting a steal. That's, you know, one of the reasons that two weeks ago he had like a top 50 week. This last week, he's more like number 100 because the steals haven't been there. I'm going to call him an ad right now, uh, because mostly because he's running at least warm-ish at the three-point line. Not like lava hot, but pretty good. And actually kind of sustainably decent in the low 40% range. It wouldn't be nuts to see him shoot around that mark for a season. It could happen. 
I don't like him as much as some of the other calls here, but I think he belongs here more than somewhere else. And so those are your ads. Let's move on to the holds board. And some of these are easier than others. Obviously, Alex Caruso is a hold. He's played. He's been healthy his last two ball games, which I know, wee, two ball games. Who gives a crap? But basically, anytime he's upright and can make it through a ball game, he belongs as a go on rosters. Problem is that about one out of every three or four games, he leaves after four minutes and doesn't come back. So if you look at any real stretch of time for Caruso, you're going to see the minutes, I want to say artificially deflated, but it's real because it happens so often. It's not artificial. So you're always rolling the dice a little bit. When you put him out there, you might get stuck with the world's worst fantasy game, which against the games cap really hurts when a guy plays six minutes, gets one rebound, and then gets hurt for the game. That kills you. You're using a games cap to get nothing. You're effectively just sacrificing one. It's like a bunt. It's like the bunt of sa- of Roto games cap. But every time Caruso makes it through a ball game, he's so damn good that we have to keep trying it. Malcolm Brogdon is a hold right now. I don't know that it's going to be that way when Shaden Sharp comes back. I just don't feel I don't feel like I have enough info to say that Brogdon is an injury replacement player only, but it sure feels that way. So maybe maybe Malcolm Brogdon belongs in the injury replacement board with Jaden Sharp out. It looked like when Sharp, Simons, Grant, and Ayton were all healthy that there wasn't going to be enough for Malcolm Brogdon to do. Because remember, he doesn't get many steals or blocks. He's all scoring and some assists and maybe some threes. But his field goal percent, he's no longer a 50-40-90 threat now that he's not playing alongside Giannis. So can Brogdon get high enough? I think the answer is no when the Blazers are healthy. So he probably belongs as an injury replacement name, but whatever. He's a hold for now while we wait until we can confirm this for real. And while Sharp is out, at least there's a chance that he might have a decent ball game. Kelly Oubre is the next name on my holds board. This one also requires an explanation because we just don't really know what Oubre's job is going to be. Is he going to be a 22-minute guy who takes eight shots a game? Is he going to be a 26-minute guy who takes 11 shots a game? Uh, Nick Batum and Rob Covington were out for the Sixers' last ball game. It sounds like at least one. Maybe both of those guys might be back for their next one. Does that mean that Oubre, again, goes back to kind of having not that big of a role? Does his role get larger if DeAnthony Melton sits out? Does his role get larger if Joel Embiid ever comes off of this world-level heater that he's on. Hard to know. So the question now is, while we find out the answer to all of those questions, do we find out that answer while Oubre is on the wire, or do we find out that answer while Oubre is on a roster? And I think you've got to lean towards Oubre being on a roster, because if it hits, it could be really, really good. It's one of those things where, like, if his upside was top 100, I'd say let's leave him on the wire while we wait and find out because if it happens and someone else gets him, it doesn't really matter that much. But we saw earlier this year, and yeah, there were some guys out and they hadn't made the Harden trade yet, but we saw earlier this year that Ubre was like a top 60 guy for a little stretch. Those dudes don't grow on trees. He may officially have now fallen off of that tree, but again, if there's any chance that he remains on this metaphorical tree, we got to make sure that he's on our roster while we figure it out. Malik Beasley, he was one of the easiest, like, you knew he was going to cool off at some point this year. 
But my take on Beasley was even once he cooled off, it seemed like his minutes were so high that there were other things that could float his value. He's currently number 86 in nine cap for the season at about 30 minutes per game, shooting 48% from the field. Can't seem to make a free throw, but he doesn't get there, so that kind of doesn't matter. I think there's a very real possibility that Beasley's super hot run is over and maybe isn't coming back. But I still think it's at least a 50-50 shot that he'll be fine. And again, now we've seen him do it. This is a guy that rolled top 60 for a few weeks, 100 range, 120 for a few weeks. It kind of doesn't matter what format you're in. All of that plays well enough to very obviously yes. And so when the floor is like barely serviceable, but not not a not dead weight, and the ceiling is really good, that's a guy that needs to be on a roster. And I saw him dropped in a lot of places after just a few quieter ball games. I would strongly suggest you take a gander at your wire. He got dropped by 8% more. I mean, he's down to 47% rostered in Yahoo Leagues right now. He got dropped in one league that I'm in, and I got outbid for him. So, you know, womp womp, I guess, for me. But the same thing's probably happening for you, or maybe even at a higher degree. I don't know. And then D'Angelo Russell, who, you know, without LeBron James yesterday had a better ball game, he's basically come out and said, I'm sucking lately. That's basically what he said to the media. I'm sucking lately. I cannot shoot. He is in a serious shooting funk. It was nice that he had two steals and three blocks in yesterday's ballgame to sort of counterweight the bad stuff that's been happening. And he really has been very bad. Medium volume, 35% from the field. Uh, The turnovers are back up after a really, really good run to start the season. But to me, watching him play, he just looks a little bit tired. A lot of the Lakers actually do. The only Laker that doesn't look that tired to me is Anthony Davis in kind of a weird twist. Everybody else looks gassed on that club. Okay, not Gabe Vincent either, because he's played one, like, third of one ball game in the last two months. But everybody else looks cooked. And to me, like, I personally don't think it's a coincidence that the Lakers and Pacers have been two of the worst teams in the NBA since the in-season tournament ended. Since these teams had, what are they, went to Vegas on, like, that Wednesday and they came home on Sunday... That's a lot of days to spend in Vegas. And on top of that, these clubs had these extremely high-impact games. You could see that the intensity level was really high for them. They all wanted to win the 500 grand a piece or whatever it was for you know, the, themselves, for their teammates. Like, think of the guys on the Lakers and Pacers that are making 500 grand for the year. You know, some of these guys had a chance to increase their salary by like 30 40 50% in one game. That's colossal. So then these teams spend five days in Vegas. They blow out all their energy on sort of like a fake playoffs, and they come back, and they got nothing in the tank. I haven't watched all of the Pacers games, but I've watched most of the Lakers games. I try to watch those basically from start to finish as both a Laker fan and someone who has these like secret pipe dreams of doing a little bit more Lakers coverage in my basketball life. Uh, they're not running. The Lakers are jogging. They're a jogging team right now. You can see the difference, too. You watch some of these other ball games. some guys are running, and some guys are jogging. And the Lakers are jogging right now. And I haven't watched the Pacers every day, and obviously they got a win 
uh, in their last ball game against whoever the hell, or they lost to Memphis, but they beat Charlotte by like 30. Um, but Charlotte's like a G League team these days, and Steve Clifford's a little bit of a joke. Uh, but like, if these teams aren't playing crapper clubs, they're just getting run out of the gym by teams who are playing faster. That may be something to think about for next year. You haven't heard either of the clubs complain that much. I know the Lakers were talking about how tired they were because their travel has been really rough around the IST. But, like, what are the Lakers and Pacers since December 9th, I think, was the tournament finals? I think they're combined, like, 3-12. and 12. These are pretty good teams going 3-12. and 12. Anyway, uh, let's keep moving here. That's the holds board. Here's the I'm scared or nervous board, as I once again remind all of you guys, those of you watching, you can see it before I talk about it, but I want to tell you guys to go check out manscaped.com. Look, it's probably too late to get these items in time for Christmas morning, because we're coming into a weekend now. You ain't going to get something delivered over the next two days. You could probably pay through the nose for it, but I wouldn't do that, because you have a coupon code. Ethos20, Ethos20 is your coupon code to get 20% off and free shipping on your manscaped.com order. Check out the handyman. I love the handyman. It's such a convenient little pop it out, regular face ra uh, electric razor, use it on whatever you got, like a couple of strays, something like that. The lawnmower, you will legitimately never need another sideburn trimmer as long as you live. That's the beauty of these things. They make uh, uh, just outstanding products they're not any more expensive than, like, the gourmet things that you can get at a CVS. And frankly, they're probably cheaper than a lot of that stuff. And then you get it for 20% off and free shipping with our coupon code at Ethos20. And you can really take care of yourself. I'm a bad example right now. Like, those of you that are watching before I made my face very small on the YouTube screen, you could see that I have not taken care of my neck in a while. But you know what I'm going to use to take care of my neck? The lawnmower. It's sitting, like, eight feet that way. To my right, it's right underneath my television. As a reminder, Dan, clean up your frickin' neck. Go get yours at manscaped.com with promo code ethos20. Again, a reminder, please like, subscribe. Find me on social at Dan Bespris. Find us in Discord. That link is in the show description, as is, I think, various Twitter handles that you need to follow. Uh, let's dive back into the I'm Scared or Nervous group. Andrew Wiggins, drop his sorry butt. He stinks. Killian Hayes, drop. Cam Reddish, drop. I said those three because I felt like those three didn't really need much of an explanation. Because, look, Cam Reddish, he had his hot run. He's still playing big minutes, but he's got butterfingers. He can't really shoot. Missed a bunch of three-pointers in uh last couple of Laker games. He hit a few, but he's taken a, a ton. And here's the thing. Like, they like what he does because he's long on defense. They're putting him on guards to try to slow some guards down. Um, but he's getting into foul trouble these days. That happened in, I think, uh, the Knicks game. Was that the foul trouble game or was it the Bulls game? I don't remember. But his novelty is wearing off a little bit. Um, and then offensively, he's been a pretty good liability. So, you know, this isn't meant to pick on Cam Reddish. I just, I think the Lakers have better options. And honestly, I think as Gabe Vincent gets healthy, 
Everybody's like, oh, he's going to take all of D'Lo's minutes. I don't know that that's going to be... I think he's going to take Cam Reddish minutes, some D'Lo minutes, but I I think the Lakers will run small at times because Gabe Vincent is probably a better point-of-attack defender. He's not as long as Cam. You might not see those the passing lane jumping, but someone on this Laker team has got to keep a person in front of them. By the way, it's why they were a plus three when Anthony Davis was on the floor last night and a minus 10 when he was off for nine minutes. They can't guard anybody when AD's not on the floor because everyone on the perimeter is just letting dudes by. The Lakers can outscore people when AD's out there because he'll protect the rim and he'll create tougher shots and teams just won't shoot as well. But he leaves the floor and it's just a, like a layup and three-pointer party. Someone's always open because there's no rim protection, meaning everybody comes charging back and then everybody's open. All of this to say, I don't know that Cam Reddish's minutes are even safe and it sort of doesn't matter because his stats haven't been very good either. Herb Jones is on this list, but he is a nervous uh, qualifier. Not a drop yet. I'm giving Herb a very good leash. He got off to such a good start this season. I refuse to do anything rash with Herb Jones. Uh, I know he's had another slow ball game yesterday. I think the steals and blocks will start to come back around a little bit. I don't know that the scoring ever will. Certainly not when Trey Murphy's going for 28 points on 16 shots. Trey Murphy's very good. And and that in therein lies the rub. Like, if the Pelicans decide that they don't need the defensive stopper to be their main guy, and they played a Cavaliers team that had no one, really, they needed to worry about on offense, then they're going to go offense. They're going to space the floor. It makes everybody else's life easier. Pelicans were one of the teams that almost never made any three-pointers. Now Trey Murphy's come back and suddenly they all can shoot threes. It's because there's room. Anyway. So, Herb, you're on the hot seat, but I'm holding on because I want to see you bounce back. And if you do, I wanted to make sure that it's for me. Bruce Brown, I think, is a drop. I mean, anyway, these guys that I'm that fall into the drop category, whatever. Like, you can use them when their team schedule is good. Like, almost anybody in the NBA, you could make an argument. Oh, they got three games in four nights? Sure. They're fine. But if Bruce Brown has three games in four nights and he's on your team, that's not even worth talking about. That's a totally different discussion. That is a streaming show. That's not a full-season fantasy show. This is full season. Is Bruce Brown a full-season guy? I thought he might get into the 90s. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. And then Gordon Hayward. Uh, so, like, what's the right way to even frame this? Last year, I said he was washed. He started this year looking like maybe he wasn't washed. But now he looks washed again. Steals and blocks have dried up. There's not enough offense for him. And this is even with LaMelo Ball out over the last two weeks. He's number 134 in basically what you can call almost a best-case scenario. And ain't going to get any better for him. I think you can probably drop Gordon Hayward, and I really wouldn't worry too much about it either. Because I just don't think he's good. All right, what the hell's next on this board? The watch list. That's always a fun one. Watch list. Uh, I don't know that there needs to be a ton of explanation on all of these guys, but here's the watch list. Uh, Jaden Ivey who had a good ball game for the Pistons. I, I don't think that this is a thing that he can do consistently. You might get like a week here and there where he puts up pretty good numbers, but that's probably about as good as it's going to get. Um, 
You look at almost any month for him, and it'll probably be outside the top 120. Like almost any cross-sectional month. Ayo Desunmu, uh, he's a watch list because he jumps into the injury replacement board when Alex Caruso's out. Malachi Branham is on the watch list because he's starting for the Spurs, but his fantasy game isn't very good. Asar Thompson is on the watch list because we saw how good he could be at the beginning of the year, but he's run out of gas and the Pistons are awful. Marvin Bagley, also Pistons awful, but did he get the starting job back? Does it matter? Did all the good stuff mostly happen just because they were playing the Utah Jazz? Yeah. Zach Collins' watch list. Wemby was back, but Collins actually still had a pretty good ball game uh, in their last one. I don't know that that's a thing that continues. I think we end up dropping Collins, but he was injury replacement when uh, when Banyama was out with his turned ankle and then managed to somehow play well again, even with Victor back in their last ball game. I, again, I just don't think that's a thing that that sticks. Here's a weird one to find on the watch list. I threw Isaiah Joe in there, um, mostly because we saw Josh Giddy go down, and it didn't seem like it was that serious, but I don't know. Maybe Joe works his way into an injury replacement spot. Even if you played him, you're basically just hoping for somebody to give you like three three-pointers, and you're not worrying about a whole lot else. So again, not a rest-of-season discussion. And then Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart, they had a good game for the Knicks, but they are not more than watch list right now because neither one of them seems to play well more than about two times every week and a half. Once a week, maybe twice a week in a great universe, but that doesn't seem to hold all that much. So I think I'd probably rather just deal with uh, most of these guys on the watch list in the schedule zone. Um, could anybody get above it? Eh, I guess so. Again, like... If Cade Cunningham went down, that's how Ivy would move up. For DeSumo, we already saw it when Caruso went down. For Thompson, probably need even more guys to get hurt or just to for him to sort of get out of the doghouse. Zach Collins, uh, Isaiah Joe, Hart, DiVincenzo. These are guys that could all, all make a difference in the injury replacement board, but I don't see any of them making their way to just like the full ads list. Here's my brand new stream while warm name list so far. We're just building it out. Don't worry. This is just the start, just the foundation. The three names on the stream while warm list are Bobby Portis, Nas Reed, and Obi Toppin. The way that you get into this board, as opposed to just a watch list or even an ads list, if you wanted to go that high, is that I don't think any, th any of these three guys are guys that you can just set it and forget it for the rest of the season. The ads board tends to be, in general, guys that I'm like, oh yeah, these guys could just be dudes you play from now until the end of the NBA season. But we've seen it enough times already this year to know that Bobby Porsche is going to run hot and then cold. It doesn't have almost anything to do with the personnel on the floor around him. Nobody got hurt that magically made him better. Like if Giannis was out, then Portis is an obvious injury play, but he's been decent not their last ball game but he was pretty good for like the three before that and then we see him get bad for three or four ball games and there isn't really any like extra external thing that's making it happen it's all just oh bobby got hot seems like generally the same idea with nas reed although it helped when anthony edwards was out and if either of the centers like we saw cat leave the minnesota game with just a minute or two left soreness etc
Nas Reed is in that same boat. Obi Toppin, the third name on this list. Obi Toppin. I got to do some editing after the show today. Obi Toppin is another one that's been running hot and cold. He had a pretty good stretch where we threw him on our rosters for a little. And uh, then he cooled off. And there wasn't anything super obvious about it that caused it. He was still starting. But when he's warm, he gets more minutes. And when you get more minutes, then you get to do more stuff. And we'll probably add more names to this list. But the way that this list separates itself from the others is, again, there isn't like an obvious player that has to go down for them to do it. It's just when the timing's right, the timing's right. Oh, Lord, here's the injury replacement board, and it's a big one. <sighs> Buckle up. We're going to go through this one pretty quick um, because the explanation is basically just the guy that's out. Um, and I'll throw a couple of thoughts, very brief, quick snippet thoughts on the guys that I think may or may not actually be startable, but here we go. Kelly Olynyk in Utah, when they're missing their scorers, he moves into the starting five. When they have their scorers, he tends to be off the bench because then they go defense at the center spot. Karis Levert, good with Darius Garland out? That's okay. That's an all, that's an all systems go one. Uh, Craig Porter Jr., Isaac Okoro, and Dean Wade, also on the Cavaliers. That one, it seems like you need all three of Garland, Mobley, and Donovan Mitchell out to consider any of them. I don't even know that I would use them on the Roto side, but certainly on head-to-head, -head, they make sense. Chris Dunn for Utah needed everybody out. No THT, no Keontae George, no Jordan Clarkson, no Lowry Markinen. Unfortunately, that specific situation is probably not going to happen very much. Which sucks, because I love Chris Dunn's fantasy game, but we're almost never going to get to see it unleashed the way we did for one ball game earlier this week. Uh, Kobe White, just continue to roll with him with Zach Levine out. Patrick Williams has kind of gotten himself above the, the fray also with Zach Levine missing. Brandon Miller with LaMelo out. Sadiq Bey with Jalen Johnson out. A lot of these are repeats now. Nick Richards with Mark Williams out. Uh, Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr., I think with both Kyrie Irving and Josh Green out, they're right on the borderline of playable, probably like 60-40. I don't know that I use them on the Roto side, although now Luka might be out also, we're hearing. So uh, I guess my question is, can these guys actually get their own shots with Luka out? It might go the other way. They might just stink if they're not going to be open during the ball game. So those guys are 50-50. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a go, and certainly with Luka and Kyrie out, you know, he'll take 25 shots, whether he makes four of them or 11. That's going to be the difference between whether this is a great game or one that breaks your team. Colin Sexton is a go. Uh, I don't know why I didn't have him up there with the other Jazz guys, but whatever. Brandon Pajemski, when he gets back, he's been good here since Wiggins got dropped out of the lineup and Draymond Green's been missing. Norman Powell, anytime that either Paul George or Kawhi is out, he's been good. And then Yusuf Nurkic is out for the Suns for personal reasons, so we got to throw Drew Eubanks on at the very end of this very long injury replacement board. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 names on it. Good Lord. That's a lot. All right, a couple of buy lows that uh, one of them we've talked about before, and that's Walker Kessler anytime he comes off the bench. Anybody that's not watching the way the Jazz run their rotations right now might have a panic attack, but we won't. Jakob Pertl, he's had two games where he played like 19 minutes in each of them. He'll be fine. We've seen it before. He has these games where the matchups kill him. 
And then he comes roaring back with a 27-29 minute game that got him back in that like 70-75 range. If you can get him for 100-ish, you probably do it. Sell highs. Anthony Simons had an enormous game last night that thrust him back up the board to, I don't know where, number 37. He's scoring like a madman right now. Uh, But here's the thing. Like, what he does is points and threes and sort of assists, and there isn't much else. I guess free throws are pretty good as well. It's really hard for him to maintain this pace, but after that giant ball game, you could probably get a top 40-ish guy back for him. 45 or 50 would also be fine in my eyes, and I think you should do it. And then Cam Thomas, we've talked about a few times as a flippable guy. Sell him when he's hot, buy him when he's cold, rinse, and repeat. Quick scan of the chat room here. Uh, Let me see if anybody is... Ah, Jalen Suggs. Any worry about Jalen Suggs? That's not a player that we talked about. Um, No, I mean, here's the thing. He's hurt a lot. He's got that wrist thing going on that, frankly, he came back faster from than I expected, and I don't know if it was a re-aggravation or if this is now the other wrist. I might have gotten twisted on it. When he's out there and he's healthy, he was a 70-range guy this year. So I say stick with Suggs. He's number 78, 24 ball games. That's a, that's a very playable dude. So, nope, not super worried other than the fact that he's hurt all the time, which is a little bit worrisome, but that, I mean, that was a worry before this season even got started. So nothing that I've seen in the last two months has changed my opinion of what he's going to be on the court. Although that's not fair because I came into this season not thinking that he was going to do all that much, and then he came out and he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. Try to hold on if all the injury stuff is killing you. I get it, but like again, guys inside the top 80, these are very useful fantasy players, so try not. The other questions are all like, would you prefer this guy or this guy or this guy or this guy? When do you think certain dudes are coming back? I appreciate all these questions, but I'm going to ask you guys that are watching and used to the chat room to take those and just drop them into the comments section. Once I post the show, I do sweep through the comments about once a day. uh, And so I'll be able to get to your stuff at some point there. I don't know when it's going to be today because, as you can hear, my kids are losing their freaking minds in the other room. Uh, But that is the magic of winter break. Um, Oh, here's one last question before we go asking about Austin Reeves. Um, No, I, 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 you know, so for Austin Reeves, if you're looking at yesterday's ball game, um, he had 27 and five with two steals, but he only played 27 minutes. It's because he was getting cooked on defense and certain teams have the better personnel to do that. Teams that have a really good ball handling guard will try to get switches on him and then try to beat him up a little bit. But I would say this, uh, Lakers didn't lose yesterday's game because of Reeves. And frankly, you know, even when the Bulls were targeting him, he was a plus minus guy. He was a plus guy in that game against Chicago. He was a minus in this game against the Bulls. Uh, Again, not for anything that he wasn't doing on the offensive side, but... But just, like, if you look at the personnel around him, he's one of the dudes that needs to be on the floor with Anthony Davis. I don't know if the Lakers have fully figured that out yet, but while Reeves is getting beat up, there needs to be another line of defense behind him in a way that, like, whoever, who do you want to sub in for him at that spot that's stronger? Like a Rui Hachimura, who's a much bigger, different kind of player. Prince is stronger. 
although he was getting beat by faster guys, Reeves is getting overpowered. So no, the answer to your question is no, I'm not worried about Reeves' minutes because he's still doing a lot of stuff when he's on the court, and that's the most important thing. He's still putting up really good numbers. Got after that slow start this year. Um, he's number 100 in 9-cat, and he's been more like, you know, top 80 for the last month, which is probably about where he belongs because he doesn't get many steals. He doesn't get any blocks. He's a good percentages guy. He'll hit you a three, maybe two. Turnovers are going to be on a high side because he's one of the dudes that's handling the basketball, and he's still figuring out a lot of that side of it, which I think, by the way, will get better Like as he's learning how to throw pocket passes that are getting picked off, little things like that, when to make the pass, when to just hesitate, take the shot. He's learning. We saw this explosion from Reeves late last year, and everybody's like, oh my God, he's figured out the NBA. But he hasn't because teams are adjusting how they play, and now he has to take that next step, and he's working on it. So no, I'm not worried about it. Good question. This is a team I watch a lot, so I feel like I do have some some insight on that. Um, and those are some nice questions about players that I didn't address, and that's kind of the way that I like to use the chat room on these Friday shows. All right, put a pin in this one for now. Again, anybody that's listening, watching, however you're taking in this show, if you want to try to get in touch with me, the comments section on the YouTube page, that's youtube.com slash sportsethos. Go into any of the shows. Specifically, this one would be the easiest. Drop a comment. I will see those eventually. Nothing that I'm going to do is going to be lightning fast. There's just too many things going on. I got 900 questions coming at me on Twitter every day. I can't get to those. But at least with these, I can find them. That makes it easier. I can find them. I don't have to navigate Elon's wild universe. (laughs) Mr. Toad's wild ride. As you are departing, as you walk through the door with the exit sign underneath it here on today's podcast, please take two seconds to like and subscribe however you're taking in the show. Subscribe, traditional channels, subscribe on YouTube, like. And honestly, if you go find me on social, a lot of you probably have already, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Go like something over there too. It really does mean a lot. Make sure you follow when you do it. Also, check out sportsethos.com at ethosfantasybk. I got to figure out a better way to get that on the screen. Maybe I can throw it in the background here, like around the edges so you can see it. But there it is in the live chat. Uh, Ethos Fantasy BK is where you get your fantasy news. I love it. They are, I'll say this, underdog is a minute or two ahead, but Ethos Fantasy BK has actual analysis of what to do with the news. And yes, to the viewer that just came in at the end saying, did I miss the recap? Yes, we started about 45 minutes ago. But don't worry, because the show will exist forever. I don't believe we will have a show later today. I don't believe we'll have a show tomorrow. We will likely have a week ahead show on Sunday because the games on Monday start first thing in the morning. That's Christmas Day. Remember, we got the five, I think it's five games, five, six games that just run back to back to back to back to back all throughout the day, meaning you got to get your lineup set basically before you go to sleep on Sunday night. So we'll try to do that show on Sunday, and that'll be the next time that I talk to you here on YouTube. In the meantime, you can find me over on the Twitterses. And until then, I bid you adieu. Have a great Friday, everybody.